Happy Friday. I'm Quinn Emmett, and this is Important Not Important, science for people who give a shit. The newsletter features the most important science news, how to think about it, and what the hell you can do about it. Hit subscribe right now so you get this audio newsletter every Friday, plus our conversations with the smartest people in the world on Mondays. You can find the digital version and links to everything at newsletter.importantnotimportant.com or write in your show notes. And of course, you can support our work by becoming a member. All members enjoy monthly MAs with special guests, and annual members can join our community, where our most dedicated readers and listeners, you, come together to solve problems on the front lines of the future. Join at newsletter.importantnotimportant.com or the link in your show notes and help make sure this work continues. It's Friday, June 17th, 2022. Here's this week summarized. Where do gas cars go when we buy electric? Bunch of COVID updates. Colorado River's next chapter. What's next for Alzheimer's? And holy shit, the Facebook pixel is invasive. In climate change news, what does your beloved Toyota RAV4 have to do with energy poverty in Africa? Let's find out. In the U.S., new EV sales are climbing despite relatively few federal rebates and subsidies, and a president hobbled by a Congress in serious danger of doing jack shit to fight the climate crisis that's already here. Sure, 45 states and D.C. have their own rebates, and a number of them have mandated new sales be electric by anywhere from 2030 to 35. That's great, because nearly 30% of U.S. emissions are from transportation, and faster than we thought it would go and all. But where do all of the clunkers go? Right now, a hell of a lot of them are being shipped to Africa. The atmosphere only gives a shit about total emissions, not which country is still spewing them, so shunting these gas-guzzling old cars to a continent super-marginalized by colonialism and slavery means we get to trumpet progress while they fall further behind. Africa, whose vast and diverse natural resources are being strip-mined for gas, plastic, and rubber, is struggling to industrialize and grow GDP despite crippling energy poverty. Imported gas cars means more required fossil fuel infrastructure to maintain them, plus increased emissions and increasingly garbage air quality on top of existing pollution from wood stoves. So many African countries are already facing drought and food insecurity despite carbon footprints that are a fraction of literally any Americans. And so for years, low-income countries and growing populations have demanded the same access to fossil fuels that the West benefited from. And it's a damn good argument, albeit a hugely complicated one, with land use, economies, and lives the world over at stake now. Will COP27 address these? Maybe. Back home, we chip away at rebuilding the crumbling but vast infrastructure we do have, the one once powered by Rockefeller and Getty and now the likes of Harold Hamm. Companies like Bluebird are building electric school buses on the back of Biden bucks, and Earth Justice is suing the hell out of U.S. Postal Service for not buying electric. But all of this momentum leaves one glaring issue. Heavy trucks. Like steel and concrete, heavy trucks will increasingly become a greater share of remaining emissions as we electrify everything else that moves. Despite the West's relative advantages, our head start is also a liability. 3.7 billion square miles of outdated infrastructure in this country alone requires an immense investment to upgrade. And thanks to bitter partisan divisions, we confront our greatest challenges with one hand behind our back. It's moronic. Our nascent EV chargers and batteries simply aren't powerful or voluminous enough to yet support daily garbage routes and long-haul trucking. California's clean truck program, it's a start, but battery minerals are in short supply worldwide and mostly under China. We don't have a domestic production chain yet, and batteries themselves are getting expensive again as 100 years of geopolitics are rewritten in real time, which is fun. 
progress continues in fits and starts as the clock ticks and questions remain. When will Congress realize it doesn't have to be this way? That it's finally time to build? How will we export and subsidize these new innovations and in infrastructure to Africa, India, and others? And how will we welcome climate refugees as the world races to mitigate and adapt? Here's what you can do. You can work in climate, literally wherever you can. Our friends at Terra.do announced a $5 million seed fundraise, and we are very proud to be an incredibly small part of it. Download their new app at the link in your show notes, get educated, and get connected to climate companies across the economy. In COVID news, here's a bunch of COVID updates. The FDA finally approved COVID shots for kids from six months old to under five, and they may be available as early as next week. Despite new estimates that one in five COVID survivors suffer from long COVID symptoms, the National Institute of Health, or NIH if you're privy, their related research project, Recover, has signed up just 3,900 or so of the 40,000-person enrollment target and separately funded just eight of the 200 long COVID trials listed in clinicaltrials.gov right now. Long COVID is complicated as hell, and there are more unknown unknowns than known knowns but we have to move faster. A new study shows Paxlovid really might not speed up COVID symptom relief if you don't have risk factors for severe disease and didn't answer how much it helped vaccinated people avoid the hospital. Universal healthcare might have saved 300,000 U.S. lives during early part of COVID. Congress has collectively approved almost $200 billion to improve U.S. schools' ventilation and air cleaning, but a new CDC study said less than 40% of schools had made changes to HVAC, filters, or windows since 2020. Look, what we have here is a failure to communicate. This is a country awash with advertising and marketing. The country of 1,000 songs in your pocket to Where's the Beef? How Many Licks? Terry Tate and Just Do It. This is the country where the greatest minds of our time have come together for two decades to harvest your most personal data for ads that follow you everywhere. More on that later. The point is, it's striking to me that the federal and state governments haven't spent really any amount of money to hire and challenge the best of the best to sell us on not only Instagram sweatpants and stationary bikes and gravity blankets, but also vaccines and boosters and ventilation, literally just opening windows more often. Wire cutters' favorite air purifiers, masks, free clinical trials, walking, maybe the scientific process in general, and generally the wholesale benefits of a society where everyone has a wellness safety net. Here's what you can do. You can order your free tests, you can get your booster, you can track your wastewater, and you can sign up for the Recover study yourself if you've got long COVID at the link in your show notes. In food and water news... The news about the Colorado River, which supplies water to 40 million people from Denver to Los Angeles and millions of acres of farmland in between, uh, it's not easy to share. After years of warnings, after cutting water to thousands of California farms over the past couple years, after hastily and continuously reconfigured water rights among California, Arizona, and Nevada, it's not enough. And the hard questions this week turned into threats. From the Los Angeles Times, federal officials now believe protecting critical levels at the country's largest reservoirs, Lake Mead and Lake Powell, will require much larger reductions in water deliveries. The needed cuts amount to between 2 million and 4 million acre-feet next year. For comparison, California is entitled to 4.4 million acre-feet of Colorado River water per year, while Arizona's allotment is 2.8 million. I need you to really process this information, folks. I need you to understand that this result was a policy choice. 
Stagnation is a choice. Air pollution is a policy choice. Understand that doing everything we can to stop additional warming is essential. So do not ignore this piece. And I've harped on this a million times. Additional warming stops when new emissions stop. From cars, from industrialized agriculture, from energy production, homes, all of it. We can choose to invest in more sustainable communities, to be leaders in water treatment and preservation, in cleaning up rivers to create just more drinking water. We have the tools to do it. But until then, invaluable farmland across the West and 60 million people are already in severe to exceptional drought. Here's what you can do. November, the election, is right around the corner, which gives me a panic attack. You can send texts and make calls with the wildly effective Environmental Voter Project. You can listen to my delightful combo with founder Nathaniel Stennett right here in your podcast feed. In health and bio news, look, for every futuristic medical win, Alzheimer's continues to elude us. We can 3D print a functional piece of the heart, use CRISPR to treat blood diseases, shrink kids' brain tumors, use Apple Watches to track Parkinson's, build a genetic roadmap of glaucoma. That's just this week. But Alzheimer's, man. From STAT, Roach reported negative results Thursday from a long-running clinical trial investigating an experimental antibody treatment in people born with an inherited form of early-onset Alzheimer's disease. The Swiss pharma giant has been running the phase three clinical trial for more than a decade, aiming to show that an antibody called, oh boy, Crenizumab, sure, why not, that targets toxic brain plaques might slow or even prevent Alzheimer's disease in people born with a specific genetic mutation that typically causes cognitive impairment to begin around age 44. But when scientists analyzed the data, crenizumab, sure, showed only small numerical differences in cognitive and episodic memory function compared to a placebo. Last year, Biogen 1A let's say, controversial approval of their drug out of home. But everyone from Medicare to United Healthcare, which is apparently one word, has shunned it because it doesn't really work. Why? Why can a disease we've been studying for so long, one that is so crushing to patients and families alike, one that will affect so many in the years to come, be so damn difficult to cure or prevent, much less treat in any meaningful way? Well, in very crude bullets, as we do here, it's because... One, the brain is a complicated beast and it's difficult to get drugs in there. Two, we don't really have a way to diagnose it early. Three, usually gets a head start on us. Four, we don't know what causes it still. Five, we have ideas. Six, but every time we test drugs against those ideas, they fail. Seven, we don't even know if it's one thing. Eight, trials take forever. That one took a decade and thus are hella expensive. And nine, research is crazy underfunded considering what the disease is already costing us. Here's what you can do. Look, the evidence for prevention isn't completely rock solid, but the evidence we do have goes a long way to keeping you otherwise healthy. Exercise, sleep, clean eating are a strong foundation of any lifestyle. In computer news, this isn't all that surprising, but here it is. A third of the websites for Newsweek Top 100 Hospitals in America are sending sensitive patient health info to Facebook, and it gets so much worse. From the markup. On the website of University Hospital's Cleveland Medical Center, for example, clicking the Schedule Online button on a doctor's page prompted the Metapixel to send Facebook the text of the button, the doctor's name, and the search term we use to find her, pregnancy termination. What the fuck? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. It's happening to the websites of crisis pregnancy centers, too, which are, quote, quasi-health clinics mostly run by religiously aligned organizations whose mission it is to persuade people to choose an option other than an abortion. 
these revelations, if you want to call it that, I mean, it's Facebook, they feel inevitable, are actually from two different investigations by the markup in partnership with STAT and the Center for Investigative Reporting, respectively, this week, and all of it flagrantly violates Facebook's own policies. And look, this is all no bueno because data privacy in general would be swell, but also because America's barreling back towards the Stone Age with respect to female autonomy and, quote, in many cases, the information was extremely sensitive. For example, whether a person was considering getting abortion or looking to get a pregnancy test or emergency contraceptives, which wouldn't go down very well in Texas. Are you ready for the wild part? The markup also found the Metapixel installed inside the password-protected patient portals of seven health systems. The data sent to hospitals included the names of the patient's medications, description of the allergic reactions, and details about their upcoming doctor's appointments. When the markup clicked the Finish Booking button on a Scripps Memorial Hospital doctor's page, the Pixel sent Facebook not just the name of the doctor in her field of medicine, but also the first name, last name, email address, phone number, zip code, and city of residence we entered into the booking form. Now, the Metapixel hashed those personal details, obscuring them through form of cryptography, before sending them to Facebook. But that hashing doesn't prevent Facebook from using the data. In fact, Meta explicitly uses the hashed information to link Pixel data to Facebook profiles. All of this happens even when you're not logged in. Here's what you can do. Read and share both of these articles. Sincerely, they're in the show notes. Read them and share them. All of this happens even when you and everyone you know are not even logged into Facebook proper. It's wildly and grossly fucked up and increasingly dangerous. Here's 10 things from my notebook. Number one, the American Medical Association declared climate change a public health crisis. Number two, a group of senators is working on the Health and Location Data Protection Act to ban selling of your location and health info. There's a fun accompanying iPhone commercial, and no, Apple is not perfect in this regard. We go ahead and posted that list of 2022 climate wins again because you need it. Number three, running tides catching some flack over sinking seaweed for carbon removal. Four, South Korea will build more nuclear plants. Five, tastier fake meat might require breeding better beans. Six, our friends at Canary Media have a whole series this week on recycling renewables. Seven, will you have a digital twin within the decade? Eight, monkeypox will get a new name. Nine, Patagonia posted a video on why they still use plastic and how they're trying to stop. I guess I only did nine. Fuck it. That's the news for this week. Hit subscribe now so you get next week's analysis straight to your feed. To go deeper on any of the news or to find your action steps, go to newsletter.importantnotimportant.com. Thanks for being a part of our community. Thanks for giving a shit. Have a safe and great weekend.